0: Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience worship original songs. And we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online.
1: Well, Happy New Year, everybody. I hope it's got off to a great start for you, and I am really excited about what God has in store for us in 2020. Uh, next week's going to be a lot of fun celebrating our five-year anniversary, which is pretty amazing, and celebrating all the things God has done and is doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing the, the things that are next for us. And, and really, that's, that's the heart behind some of what we're talking about is what's next. What's next in, in our lives, in our church, in our, in our world? And uh, we've titled the the series What's Next because, you know, we're in a world that's always changing on us, right? I mean, things are always changing, advancing, moving forward. That's kind of the question of our world and of culture of, well, what's next? What's coming next? There's always something next. And so we find ourselves in in an ever-changing world. Yet at the same time, it seems like in the Bible, God wants us to have this unchanging commitment. So how do we have an unchanging commitment and have a word that you don't hear much more these days, conviction, an immovable conviction. How do you have that unchanging commitment, yet at the same time live in a world that's always changing? And that's, that's kind of what we're talking about in this teaching series. And, and if you think about it, you know, in your life, you've experienced this, right? I mean, everything around you, your workplace has probably changed, the people in your life change, your health changes, our world changes, technology changes changes I mean there's there's things that are always changing and moving and sometimes it can be exhausting it could be exhausting trying to keep up with all the changes in life this this one dad saw a picture of me he figured out though how to get some rest in a world that's always changing always moving he, he got his kids to finally be still he said why don't you guys draw a picture of me while I'm napping on the couch you guys just just draw my portrait <laughs> it's the only way he could figure out how to get a nap and get a break It's because, man, this world is so busy, there's so much happening all the time, life's always moving, life's always changing, and they say the one thing that's constant in your life is change. The one thing that you can count on (laughs) to never change is that life is always changing. But the change, even though it's all around us, and even though we're surrounded by it, it it can cause uh, instability sometimes. It it can cause fear. It can cause worry, anxiety, because we're always having to change, and there's always something new. There's always something moving in our life. But God, when we look at Him, He provides the stability we need because God is unchanging in His nature. And I I would point you to a great verse in the book of Malachi chapter 3. Verse 6, where he says, I, the Lord, do not change. So he says, in who I am, in my nature, I don't change. In other words, when you feel the anxiety and the fear and the stress of life, that, man, things are always changing on me. I don't know what I can count on. There's one thing you can count on, and that's God. That God's not going to change on you. That God is dependable. That he's this this word that we just sang a little bit ago. A word that we, we hear so often, but we We have no idea of how amazing it is. And that's the word faithful. So I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor and I've been around the things of God my whole life. And I remember as a young boy singing, great is thy faithfulness and singing a song like we just did earlier. He's a faithful God. You know, we get so used to those words that we forget how powerful they are, that that God is faithful, meaning he's always dependable and always trustworthy. He's never going to let you down. Knowing that about God, knowing that about his nature, knowing that about who he is, I put it this way in your teaching notes. God is dependable. He's un- he has an unchanging nature. And if I want to know God more, I need to know that about him, that he's unchanging, he's, he's reliable, he's faithful, he's consistent. Think about this. God's always kind with you. He's always kind. God's always generous. He's always loving. He's always forgiving. You'll never come to God and if you genuinely ask him to forgive you, and they will say, no, I'm sorry. Like, he's always forgiving. Like, just think about how amazing God is. He's faithful in all of his ways. Come on. If you could just help me celebrate that for a second. Come on. Like, God is amazing. Come on, like you really mean it. Come on, celebrate that. I just wanted to wake us up a little bit because I think it does get too familiar to us. We think, well, man, God's, of course he's faithful. But think about how amazing that is. What if he wasn't faithful? What if God was inconsistent and he was moody? And, and one day you'd come and praise him and he'd receive your praise and it was awesome. And then the next day he's like, no, leave me alone. You just, you send too much this week. You know, I, I'm through with you. Like he just, you know that he's so dependable and it's something that's sort of incredible, especially in a world where we live in where, where things are not dependable and people are not dependable and people are inconsistent. You never know sometimes what they're going to say or what they're going to do. Uh, I, I had the, the honor of this last Sunday, I, I missed being around you guys, uh, but we were up visiting family in Michigan, Indiana, and got to see some of the snow, and was reminded of how freezing cold it is up there, <laughs> and it was great to be back in Florida, but, but while I was there, uh, my father-in-law, who's also a pastor, uh, pastor's a great church in northwest Indiana, he said, Brandon, would you preach for me this Sunday while you're here, and I said, sure, I'd, I'd love to, and so as I was getting ready, I thought about all the times sitting around the kitchen table that, that he and I have had jokes with each other, and especially him joking and cracking on me because I'm his son-in-law, and he has an endless library of son-in-law jokes, it seems like. like there's, they, I never exhaust him. He's always just messing with me. He's like this practical joker, always having fun, but at my expense, which he loves to do, and it's great. But, but I was thinking, like, he's going to introduce me at his church in front of all these people. And then I got to preach after that. And I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what son-in-law jokes he's going to say right before I preach. And so I was a little nervous about it. And I kind of, around the, around the house, was like, so, hey, so you're going to introduce me on Sunday, honey? He's like, yeah. I was like, so you, you're just going to say something? Like, you know, he's a church planner in Florida. He's a pastor. I mean, you know, what, what do you say? He's like, well, I'll introduce you, but you might need some clarification afterward. Like, what do you mean by that? I'm going to need to clarify after. So I, he left me hanging, but thankfully he was kind and he didn't mess with me too bad. But the first thing in my message I said it was, well, you know, I'm really glad that's over because that was the only thing I was really unsure about in this service. I, I was really concerned about what he was going to say. But you know, sometimes people can be unpredictable in our life. We don't, we don't know what they're going to do, what they're going to say. Life is unpredictable. And, and, and the change that's always happening around us leaves us sometimes with this, who can I trust? Who can I rely on? What can I, what can I count on? And when I look in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And, and I love that because even though my life, your life, your health, your career, your education, your finances, all the different things that make up who you are and what you do, those things can all change. But we see here that Jesus is gonna be the same tomorrow that he was today and that he was yesterday. So even though your world may look totally different 10 years from now, and our world could look totally different 10 years from now, we know that we can count on Jesus to be unchanging in an ever-changing world. And that should provide a a great amount of peace in my life, a great amount of, of trust that God's always gonna be there, he's reliable and he's faithful. He's always everything that I need. And as we move throughout this, this year, I hope that you'll learn to trust him more because you get to know his nature more, who he is, that he is faithful and reliable. You know, And, and there's a difference between God and people in and, and, and a lot of different ways, but one of the ways is that God is holy, he's set apart, he's perfect, and he's sinless so in his nature, he's, he's without sin, he's without flaw. Yet he says things like, be holy as I am holy, be perfect. So he says these things, like he, he calls us to be righteous, and there's verses that tell us to live a righteous life. It's so interesting, though, because when you, when you look at other parts of the Bible, it's a paradox. It tells us on the one hand that we can never be righteous enough. It says our best attempt to be good like, and be like God, they fall short. It says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So there's kind of these verses in the Bible that tell us that we can never be righteous enough, but it's talking about our condition, our human condition. You can't earn your way to God. You can't be good enough. You you can't do enough good things. This is why we need the gospel. This is why we need Jesus, because we can't in our own power ever work our way into a right relationship with God. So our condition's fallen, but follow me on this. So he's, covered that through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, that when you receive him into your heart, you ask for forgiveness, you invite him into your life, you'll be forgiven and made right. Your condition's changed. So when he looks at you, he sees Christ and not a sinner. So he's taken care of that. Yet at the same time, he calls us to be holy, to do righteous things, to be a righteous, blameless person. Well, what does that mean? Because I surely can't really do that It's like, I know I got you on that. I know you can never be righteous in your own power, but you can still choose to live a righteous life and do right things before me. So it's kind of a paradox. It seems to be like impossible, but it's not. Because Jesus covers your unrighteousness, yet he says, I want you to go and live a right life, do right things. Why does this matter, Brandon? Here's why it it matters so much. God is wanting you to always change because you're not like him in this way. He's perfection. He has arrived. There's not any part of God that's going to improve and get better. He, he's fully perfect. He's, we just sang about it. He's perfect in all of his ways. But you and I both know that we're not perfect in all of our ways. You, you could be a better spouse. You could be a better parent. You could be more patient. You could be more loving and kind. Now, Jesus' grace covers you, but he calls you to be holy To be perfect, to get better, to improve. And we know that in Philippians that this work of improving and perfecting our lives will continue on until we're face-to-face with Jesus in heaven. He's going to continue this work until it's completed one day. It's just not completed right now. So we're a work in progress. So so here's, here's why I bring that up and why you need to know that. Even though we need to have convictions that never change, we have to have a commitment to always change, to always grow to always get better, because we're not perfect. We, we have imperfections, we have areas to grow, so don't be discouraged by that. Say, you know what, I, I have an unchanging commitment in my belief and my faith in Jesus, that his grace covers my sins, and because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that I'm forgiven, I'm held securely in a relationship with God, I believe that, that he, that he knows me, he loves me, I've been adopted into his family. I, I, that's, I'm gonna develop an unchanging commitment this year in that, I wanna get deeper in that conviction but I equally have to have a commitment to change, to grow, to get better. And so how do I balance these two things? Well, I put it in your notes for you. I need an unchanging commitment in my beliefs, but I must maintain a personal commitment to always change, to grow, to get better, to improve. So on the one hand, I wanna have an unchanging commitment and faith and unwavering faith in Jesus and who he is and what he's done in my life, but I need to have that same resolve and that same commitment to grow to be more like Jesus, to always be changing. The problem with change, though, is that or the problem with growth is that it demands change. And they say that nobody likes change except for a baby with a dirty diaper. <laughs> nobody likes that process of changing and becoming different and better and laying down sin and picking up new habits and patterns. It's not easy. It's not always fun. But if you want to grow in 2020 if you want to become a better version of who you are by God's power, and by God's grace, then you're going to have to change. You're going to have to make some changes in your life, and you've got to have a, have a commitment to change. Now, I'm going to give you two challenges that I gave uh, to our, our church here this, at the beginning of January that I, I want you to, to take hold of. Two challenges that I believe will really help you grow and become better in your faith, and grow in your faith, learn more in your faith. One is a commitment to God's word over the next 40 days. A commitment to God's word over the next 40 days, starting today, I want to challenge you to take up this, this, this challenge. Now, now some of you are in different categories. Some of you have never read the Bible on your own. You've never done any kind of devotional book or anything. Some of you have some kind of a daily commitment. But I'm going to challenge you, wherever you're at in this, whether you do it daily now or you never touch it other than on Sundays, I think this challenge can apply to you. So if, if it's new to you getting in the word, I want to encourage you to make a pattern of, of reading the Bible for yourself 40 days in a row. Why 40? Well, for one reason, when they say when you do something for about a month or so, you, you develop a habit. And so I want this to be a, really a lifelong habit for you, to learn to feed yourself spiritually, to learn to grow and learn. And so if you get a, you get a Bible or a devotional book and you read it every morning, or maybe you get on the Uversion Bible app and you go through a plan with some friends, uh, you want to get a physical copy and underline it, it doesn't really matter. The point is, whatever helps you get in God's Word, that's what's important. If You, you might be an auditory learner you need to listen to it. Uh, there's not one way that you have to do it. Find the way that works for you, but get in God's word and do it consistently. Maybe you want to read through the Bible. Whatever works for you, just get in God's word. But some of you have been doing that, and we've been talking about that for a long time, and some of you do that every day. You get in the word or you try to do it every day. I want to challenge you to do what I'm going to do this year. I've been reading the Bible for daily for a long time, but I want to encourage you to go take it to another level. Go to another level in your reading and your understanding. Maybe jot down some questions as you're reading, things that you don't understand that you want to dig a little deeper on and learn more. Maybe you want to get a Bible commentary. They're free now online. There's so many and you can, you can actually see what Bible commentators, just like sports commentators, commentate on a game and tell you things you didn't know by just watching. There's Bible commentators and scholars who can tell you, hey, here's some great things about the word that you just read that you might not understand and, and take, it, take it to another level. But I want to encourage you to, to learn more, ask questions, get around other people who are reading it and, and talk about it. And Take it to another level spiritually. Why? Be, because then at the end of the year, as you've learned more and your mind is filled with knowledge, your heart's going to be filled more with the love for God. The more you learn about him, the more you experience him daily. So that's the first challenge is to take it to another, another level in your, your commitment to reading God's word and understanding it. And then the second one is I want to encourage you to erase spiritual apathy from your life when it comes to be a part of God's church. Erase spiritual apathy. Some of us, church involvement, church attendance, being a part of a church or a group or serving or whatever it might be, the things that that God's commanded us to do, to to go and make disciples and build his church and be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus with the world, uh, worshiping collectively, some of us, we easily get out of the habit of doing those things that, that are good for us and that make a difference, that things that we'll look back on in our life that we'll feel good about. Uh, for example, in Hebrews, it tells us to not get out of the habit, not get out of the habit of meeting together some are in the habit of doing. So we've always been in that habit of getting out of the habit of the good things in our life. And as we start here on the first Sunday of a new year, I wanna challenge you to make a commitment to say, you know what, it's not an option for me. And you gotta make your own commitment what that is, attending worship, serving, uh, being involved in a Bible study or group. But say, you know what, this is gonna be a priority. I'm gonna build other things in my life around this. If school's busy, I'm not gonna push God out because my school is more busy. If my shopping list is too big this weekend, I'm not gonna push God out so that I can do that. If there's a kid's birthday party, sorry, it's gotta fit in that. The sports game, that's gonna have to fit around God, the God priority in my life. I think if you do that, you're going to see tremendous growth in your life. But for some of us, it's, it's an option. And, and, and if you make it not an option and erase the spiritual apathy and make a commitment saying, God, you know, for example, I'm going to gather in worship every week because this is important. I'm going to get with God's people. I'm going to get in church. Because it's not just the ministry of, uh, of the people who you see with a microphone in their hand or the person with a guitar. Um, it's, you have a ministry of presence just being here week in, week out. Like you make an impact on the person next to you, the person you said hi to, you have no idea, and a huge impact, the person that sees you worshiping, that's sitting behind you, or the person you greet on the way out. A ministry of presence, by you showing up, by the church gathering, other believers are encouraged and say, yeah, no, this is important, we're gathering together. One of our, our, our musicians this Sunday, he wasn't uh, feeling so well, I, 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 I talked to him and, and, and he, he said, you know, he's still here, even though he didn't feel great. And I was like, man, way to go. You, you, you kind of pushed through that and you showed up because you know what you're doing matters. And, and what, what you're doing, it matters. And, and, and when you make that commitment to God and you say, God, I'm all in, I'm not going to be spiritually apathetic, it makes a difference in your life. So last year this time we challenged you to be a part of the under seven club. So you have 52 Sundays in the year, miss less than seven. So I'm going to try to practice what I preach to tell you. I, I was here, I, I think I missed three this year. I was kind of like I think it was three Sundays. So and you're saying, well, Brennan, that's your job. <laughs> you you gotta be here. If you don't, hear, you're not here. Who's gonna preach? Like, I, okay, I get I get it. But, but I, I'm challenging you. Some of you guys took me up on that, and and you 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 grew so much because you said I'm gonna be here consistently and every week. You're worshiping. You're hearing biblical teaching. You're growing in your faith. It's been amazing to watch. And so I want to challenge you here at the beginning of the first year. You made it. You're here on the first Sunday. So check that box. You did. You're off to a good start. But say, you know what? These 52 Sundays, unless I'm just, I'm so sick, I can't be here or I'm out of town, I'm gonna be here. And last, last Sunday, I loved hearing uh, Phil Lewis's message, I got to listen in online, he did such a great job. And even when you're not here, you can still follow along if you're out of town. But, but I wanna challenge you to make a spiritual commitment and stick to it, commit and complete, commit and complete, pick it and stick it. Say, this, this is what I'm gonna do and I'm not gonna give up on it. I think if you do that, you'll grow so much this year. Well, we're talking about today a commitment to growing, which requires change. And one of the guys in our church that I've seen grow so much in his faith since I've known him, known him about five years now, is Stephen Wilson. And in August 2016, Stephen sent me a message that I saved and I asked his permission to share it with you. Stephen said, hey, Brandon, uh, this is Stephen Wilson from church. I wanted to let you know that church experience has impacted my life tremendously. He said, as August ends, this marks a year that we've been with you guys and it's been the best year of my life. In 2015, I was, which is the year our church started, he said, I was terrified with the idea of leaving my comfort zone and attending a new church, but I'm glad we did, because you guys have been such a blessing to Julie and me. You welcome me with open arms, and you always make me feel at home every week. I never thought the shy, socially awkward Stephen of 2015 would be volunteering and working with kids. He's had a huge impact in our, in our kids' lives. Uh, he helps now with the student ministry. He's done so much. He said. Working with kids, creating friendships, interacting with others the way that I am. He says, I've made memories and friends that will last a lifetime here. He got involved. He made, it, he made an impact, and it changed him. And then he went on, and he said, I look forward to what God has planned for my future and for the future of the church. Although the past is behind me, I'll always look back and smile, knowing the impact this church has had on my life. And I love that. That was written three and a half years ago. But the growth didn't stop there. Stephen continued to grow. He's continued to step into opportunities. Some of you have seen him up here on stage from time to time uh, sharing. Uh, Stephen is uh, helping out with our student experience. He's grown so much. And as we're talking about a commitment to grow, I asked Stephen, I said, Stephen, will you share with us some of your story and how you've grown so much and how you've had that commitment to grow over these last almost five years? So if you guys would, please welcome Stephen as he shares with us.
2: To make the, uh, the transition less awkward, me and Brandon thought we would dress similar today. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about change, and I definitely feel like I've changed a lot. Um, Brandon pointed out a couple of things that I had said in the text message. You know, I still feel like that socially awkward kid, so this is, uh, this is way out of my comfort zone. So let's pray that the things that are in my head are going to be translated in the words that I speak today. But I remember when I first came to, uh, to give my life to the Lord, I was, I was 14, 15 years old. I know some of you are looking at me today, you're like, oh, so yesterday? <laughs> no, but so so when I first gave my life to the Lord, I was what you would call like a casual Christian. I loved attending church, like being part of, of the club. Um, but I, I wasn't seeking out God the way that I feel like I should have been. Um, and I remember like like Brandon said, where you take, you want to take that, that step where you want to read the Bible every single day. And I remember I took that step um, a couple of years after I became a Christian and I wanted to read the entire Bible all the way through, and I'd never done a Bible plan. So I wanted to start in the beginning, and I wanted to read all the way through. So I started in Genesis, and if you're like me, you didn't know that Genesis was 50 chapters long. So it took me six months to get all the way through Genesis. I did not read every single day, and it was almost like a chore at the beginning. I didn't feel like I wanted to do it every single day, but I did it. I got through it, but then I got to Exodus, and Exodus was a different story for me, Um, I'm very passionate about Exodus because Exodus is the, is the book of the Bible that really changed my life. It, it, it opened my eyes to who God is. Um, there's stories about Moses that, you know, I knew who Moses was. I'd heard in, in like youth groups and growing up, even if you're, you're not a believer, I feel like you've, he- you've heard about Moses before. And there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about Moses that when I read it for the first time, I was like, this is really interesting. So I want to read a lot from Moses today. We can't. Unfortunately, we don't have time to read all the way through the chapter um, or maybe, maybe, fortunately, you don't want to hear me read all that, but I'm just going to stop on the key verses that impacted me um, going through it for the first time. and I guess we can start in the beginning. Uh, before Moses was even born, Moses, Moses was supposed to be killed because Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, said that, that all the baby Hebrew boys were supposed to be killed. Um, that was just the rule. And the, the midwives, thankfully, uh, the ones that were delivering the babies, they said, no, we, we fear God way more than we fear Pharaoh. So they, thankfully, did not listen to the orders to kill all the babies And then when Moses was born, he got big big enough that they couldn't hide him anymore, so they put him in a basket, and they put him on the banks of the Nile River. And then when Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the river, she saw the basket, and she made her Hebrew slave go check it out, see what it was. And there's Moses laying in the basket. And Pharaoh's daughter decided that she wanted to adopt Moses. So at first reading this, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, so you're telling me the family that said you're supposed to be killed as a baby is like, oh, yeah, we'll take him?" It seemed a little odd to me. And the story doesn't get any more normal because we're going to take a, we're going to take it at Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. It says one day after Moses had grown up, he he went out to where his people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid in the sand. Now, this is not something that they that they talked about in youth group. I didn't know that Moses was going to kill somebody. I was kind of taken aback by this because when you talk about Moses, you're talking about this righteous guy that, that freed the slaves. He stood up to, to Pharaoh and was like, let my people go. Then he parted the Red Sea. He's like this warrior kind of guy. But this was kind of like a, like a criminal minds type killing. This man, he looked both ways, saw that nobody was there, killed him, and then hid the body. I was a little taken aback by that. And then Pharaoh heard about this, and he wanted, in, in my Bible, in my, uh, my translation, it says that he wanted to smite Moses. So Moses was meant to be killed for for the crime that he committed by killing someone. So Moses ran away. And then God, this is where we, we get the infamous story of God appearing to Moses in the burning bush. And this was the first lesson that I learned. And it's in your notes. It says, God is bigger than your past. You see, if you look at the world, or you look through the lens of the world, Moses, at that point, was a killer. He was supposed to be killed at a very young age, and then he killed somebody. So in the eyes of the world, he's got a pretty messed up past. But you know who is more focused on his future rather than his past? God. God appeared to him in his time of of desperation. He was running away. He was alone. And then when God came to him and said, I need you to go back. Everything that you're running from, I need you to go back towards it, and I need you to free the slaves because this is my will for you. Moses did something that I didn't expect when I was reading it for the first time. Moses was kind of hesitant. And this is also something that they don't teach you, is that Moses is just like us. Moses was a human. And Moses had these human emotions like, I don't know if I can do this, Lord. Please, please prove to me that this is your will for me. And we're going to take it in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into his staff in his his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. I See, I think sometimes we get it backwards. When we feel God calling and pulling on our hearts that this is his will for us, we kind of want him to prove it to us. Well, newsflash, God doesn't have to prove anything to us, and I like this story. I, I, like, I like what Moses is acting like here because it reminds me that Moses is just like us. Because I know, you know, especially this week, going into this, this teaching, I had those thoughts of doubt. But it leads me into my second note, and it's in, it's in your notes. It says, God is always present. God wasn't calling Moses into anything where he was going to be alone. God said, I was gonna, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And even even when God asked for proof, and, and, or Moses asked for proof, and God didn't owe the proof to Moses, it spoke to his grace and his mercy that he was willing to show, Mo- uh, to show Moses that, yes, I am going to be with you every step of the way. When he threw the staff on the ground, it turned into a snake. See, God doesn't owe us those, those little subtle hints that, yes, I'm here for you, but he does it, and that speaks to his love and his grace and his mercy, and it spoke to me definitely when I read it for the first time, and we're going to skip ahead to To verse 10 and chapter 4, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. You know, we see again there when Moses said, Please send someone else. He's kind of afraid. He's kind of showing those, those human emotions that we all have that he's unsure about if he can carry out what God wants him to carry out. I also thought it was interesting that God said in there, it says, who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. You know, I feel like we take that for granted sometimes that, that God is the actions and God is the words that we speak. You know, I know I'm up here. In in representation of God and God's words uh, speaking through me. These aren't my words, these are God's words. And it it goes directly into your third point today in your notes. It says, even when I think I can't, God reminds me that we can. And that we is interchangeable. It can be we can or he can. Because ultimately God is God and God's gonna be God with or without us. But the one thing that I like what Brandon said today is we have a choice. We have a choice that we can we can walk in the ways of the Lord or we can turn our backs, and I want to be like Moses, that even though he seemed a little bit unsure and uneasy at first, he stepped in, he believed what the Lord had to say, and you know, long story short, we all know the story, Moses ended up freeing the slaves, stood up to Pharaoh, said, let my people go, and then parted the Red Sea, but then I got angry, because after I was done reading that story, I was like, wait a second here, all throughout my life, I've been told that Moses is this guy, he did it all. But when you read the story, Moses had very little part in everything that was done. It was all God. Moses was merely a spokesperson for the things that God wanted to achieve. You see, when we read it in, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, that he's gonna, he's gonna speak and he'll he'll teach him what to say, he'll tell him what to do. There were so many instances during my reading of Exodus where Moses was completely unsure of what he was supposed to do. And God came to him and he gave him every word. I mean, the, the, famous, the famous line where it says, Pharaoh, let my people go. God was the one that put that on his lips. That was, the, that was God that said, let my people go. And I think that we forget that sometimes. God, I don't think God's sitting on his throne in heaven. Like, oh, I wish I got more credit for freeing the slaves from Egypt. Moses, that guy gets all the credit. I don't think he's like that. As a matter of fact, I know he's not like that because he's a God of mercy. He's, he's graceful. And I also, it was really powerful today when Brandon was talking about how God never changes because I think back to that story of how how God helped Moses and it reminds me that God doesn't change. That same God that helped Moses is the same God that walks day in and day out with me, same God that walks day in and day out with you. And it's so powerful to me to look back on 16-year-old Stephen when I was reading this story and I still have some of the notes that I had written when when I was reading it. And this was the first introduction to see who God really is to me. So if, if you want to get down to it and, and, and ask what's the root of my change or what's the root of any change, it's God. Because 100% of the things put in my life are a gift from God. And what I do back is that that's my gift to him. But I understand that God is God with or without me. And I'm choosing that I'm going to walk each and every day fully submitted with the Lord because I feel like that's his will for me. That's what he wants um, me to do. And, and I think that that's what he wants all of us to do. So I just want, throughout this week, I just want to remember, and every week that follows, I want to remember the faith that Moses showed. When Moses thought that he couldn't do it, as a matter of fact, he said, uh, you need to find someone else. And God said, no, you're perfect for it. You know, there's so many instances in my life where I felt like I'm not the right person to do what it is that I feel like God's calling me to do. And it's right, I'm not the right person but God is. God is always gonna be the person that I turn to. God is all knowing, he's all powerful and he's a God of grace and mercy. And, and I think that that's really represented in Exodus. And I'm super passionate about the book of Exodus in the Bible because this truly is, is the book that, that introduced me to who God is as a person. And if you wanna talk about change, that's it right there. I've changed because I've learned that God is above me in every way and I can only achieve what I feel like I need to achieve or what God wants me to achieve, if I fully submit to Him, His will, not mine. Right on.
0: Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.